Who wants to do the intro? You do. Okay. You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and A131 and A133 large diaphragm studio condenser mics at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read the following statement. Food for thought. The more holes you have in Swiss cheese, the less cheese you have. The more cheese you have, the more holes you have. Therefore, the more cheese you have, the less cheese you have. What a world we live in. Welcome back to the Signal to Noise podcast on ProSound Web. As always, my name is Michael Lawrence, joined by Kyle Trinside, Chris Leonard. What's going on, fellas? How's it going? Hola. Hello. How you doing, Kyle? Hanging out. It's uh it's it's been a week. It's been it's been a week. <laughs> I'm stoked because I ordered uh some of your daughter's Girl Scout cookies through the online link you sent, and I yes. think they'll come tomorrow. So I'm, tomorrow might be a really good day. I think the leak's still up. Chris, are any of your kids in Girl Scouts, brownies, daisies? No, we just buy them off all of her friends. But now we're not. We're not in. Uh, we're not. We, actually, so my wife ordered from one of our friends or whatever. We got a double order for free. They they duplicated our order. You know, we have double the amount of cookies than we we're supposed to get. So, but I'm on keto, so I don't get to taste any of it. But uh, um, more importantly, though, we started a Discord. Because Michael sucks and is not, I mean, sorry, Michael, (laughs) no, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. Michael's not on any other socials. Um, And uh, so Discord, you know, I'm new to Discord. Uh, It's a thing. I think it's going to be pretty cool. We're going to try mentorship program and stuff in there. Maybe engage with some people who weren't on our Facebook group. Um, So if you are into Discord or not, come on over. Let's let's see what happens there. Kyle doesn't know what I'm talking about. He's still trying to get our MySpace page going, you know. I but I hear know. Kyle's friends with Tom, so I hear that we have some we can get access. Yeah. You know, I have leverage over there. I no, he. I was like, oh, the Discord records. I love those. I love Dag Nasty and Government Issue and Fugazi. Fugazi a, was a Discord man. Well, we set know. up. We set up on this. We have a mentorship channel now, and Chad Olek just popped in there and said, "Hey, man, we got to get this thing going." So whoever is out there looking for a cool mentor can't do much cooler than Chad Olek. Um, so anyway, we hope you all check that out. Chris, we'll put a link to the Discord server in the description of this episode. I'll figure out how to do it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> once, once we figure out how to work it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's, that's cool. As <laughs> so our, our guest this episode, uh, hot on the heels of our discussion with Corey Wong, which we had a, a great time talking to Corey and learning all about his perspective on stuff. Um, we reached out to his engineer, Jake Hartsfeld, who uh, works with Corey. He works with Ben Rector. Uh, he works with Volpec. Um, and he has some other acts that uh, Kyle's really stoked to ask about uh, as well. But we wanted to get him on the show and pick his brains a little bit. Uh, Jake, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> where, where are you joining us from? I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. There you go. I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Jake, I mean, I, we always like to start a little bit. Like, what, what's your journey been? I see, I know you went to Belmont University. Yeah. Uh, so, kind of, you know, how did you get to where you are? Well, I think like most of us, um, I grew up singing and playing guitar in a band um, or several bands. And uh, 
the the last iteration was called In Our Own Words. And I, um, yeah, I wrote a lot of music and then we started recording our own stuff. And I, you know, tried recording in all those free, cheap software programs on my parents' computer um, and had no idea what I was doing. Um, and then I got to intern at a recording studio in high school, um, like my junior year, maybe. And I still didn't learn anything, but I was around it. And one of the engineers mixed one of the songs I'd recorded. So he just took the raw tracks that I'd recorded and uh, he tuned the vocals and make, and it sounded amazing. And for the first time I, I realized, I'm like, man, the, the mix can completely change the production and have some, you know, make it actually sound pro. Um, and I got, yeah, I, I decided I wanted to pursue music production as a career. And at the same time, I liked film stuff, like making stupid movies with my friends. Um, so I'd applied to a bunch of schools for film and I kind of changed that to search for music business. And I heard about Belmont and I came to Nashville, visited and I loved it. So I came here and um, I've been here ever since. That was back in 2007. And um, yeah, I once I got to school, I, I networked around a ton. I had business cards and every everyone in my class knew my name and they knew that I wanted to record stuff. And so I recorded, you know, a ton of people in my dorm room and I'd gotten Pro Tools the summer before uh, college started. And I'd messed around a little bit and I started to figure out how to use EQ, how to use compression. I, I honestly don't remember where I learned that stuff because I don't think there were really videos online at that time about it. Um, but it was kind of trial and error. And I did read a lot of books even before I got to college. Um, Alton Everest's uh, Master Handbook of Acoustics. That was one of the first books classic, I read. Classic, classic. Yeah. Um, and I just... I, some of the recording engineers uh, handbook, I think there's a, maybe a few volumes there I, I read and I'd learned stuff from that. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I, I learned a lot just by recording in my dorm room. And then we had um, audio classes at, at Belmont, but I didn't get to take any of those until my sophomore year or maybe halfway through my sophomore year. Cause I had to get some core classes out of the way first. Um, but I was recording that whole first year and second year before I had any of those classes. Um, they definitely helped. And I got to spend time in the studio on, you know, these big, large format analog consoles that I had never touched before. Um, and so that, you know, just added to the the breadth of experience that I was developing while in college. Um, and then uh, sophomore year, one of my roommates was a drummer, Caleb, and he played for this kid named Tyler Bryant. And they asked me to come out on tour with them that summer. Um, so the summer after my, after my sophomore year, I thought that sounded like a dream to go out and actually tour, um, even though I'd never mixed live sound before. Um, and so I just kind of jumped in and said yes. And I was scared out of my mind um, when I started. And uh, I can go into more detail about the journey from there, but you know, I basically learned from a bunch of engineers at these different club venues that we were playing at, you know, 
asking them like, what do you boost on the kick or the snare? Like, I don't know what frequencies to go for. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, how do you do deal with the subs? Like, what are we doing with monitors? Um, and, uh, yeah, oh, I should also mention, I, I think sophomore year, I also started learning how to mix monitors at a, tr a large church here in Nashville and Hendersonville. And that, that's where I learned a lot of EQ. They had Yamahas there. Um, they had an M7 at monitors at the time and a PM1D at front of house. But the nice one, wow. is yeah. the 5D the smaller one? Well, 5D, yeah, 5D, yeah, 1D would be the larger, like, larger. Yeah, they had a, one, they had a 1D. Um, and uh, I didn't mix on the 1D that much, but the engineer there, Jeff Lemons, took me under his wing, and, you know, he was great. And the, the whole team at at that church at Long Hollow um, was just amazing. It was like going to mix there was, yeah, such a good learning environment because it's very welcoming. Everyone is supportive. No one's going to throw anything at you if you mess Same up. Same band every Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 similar people. They, you know, they have a rotating cast of musicians and singers. But so, two questions for similar. you. Yeah, when you went from doing recording, how much of your approach changed when you started to switch over to live? Did you have to relearn some stuff? Did you um, did in your gut, how did you feel about not having to mix a snare for five hours? Um, because I think that's where my, my career changed too, was like the tedious part of the studio versus the go of live and the adrenaline that I got what made a difference too. So that's my two questions. Yeah. Um, at first it was very different. Um, it was like I was learning all over again, everything sounded different to me because I, I didn't know anything. I didn't have an idea about tuning systems. So every time I walked into a room, it's like, these are brand new speakers and they all sound crazy different. There's terrible top end. So nothing I was doing with EQ was the same as what I had done in the studio. And I didn't understand that it could be the same and that it was the system that needed to be tweaked to, you know, to make it all sound like, like a reference recording. Um, so as I learned about system tuning, which was maybe two years in, <laughs> uh, that's when I, I started to make, connect the dots a lot more. And I started using a lot of the same mics and EQ that I do in the studio. Was there like a, was there a, like a kind of a light bulb moment when you realized, Hey, if I get my, PA tuning together, then my mix will actually work every night. I mean, was that kind of a gradual thing or do you remember like having that realization? I honestly don't remember that realization. Um, part of the, oh, it's yeah, that, that part of my journey is, is missing in my memory. Not because, not for any reason other than I just kind of forgot what, when I started tuning. Um, I remember tuning with a few songs, like at a Spotify playlist with, two or three songs that I would play. And that was before I knew about smart. Um, I don't even know if I, I didn't know it existed. Um, and I think I did that for a few years before I, you know, bought smart and started using that smart was the, the biggest game changer for me. So before that, yeah, I was using reference material, but I was, I was getting closer and closer, but I still, you know, there's no way to get it great. 
Um, at least for me, I, I know some people tune still tune with their ears. Um, I listened to Frida's episode. I think she said she likes to tune with her ears. Well, and let, let's let's you know before we get the hate mail, uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're none of us are saying that because you smart doesn't mean you don't use your ears. So I just want to you know put that out there. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying I could not, you know, be nearly as specific uh, and get the exact curve I want without you know extra tools other than my ears, you know, to help aid me. Sure. Um, but yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. Um, oh, oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll mention this. This is, this was huge, um, a huge learning experience for me very early in my career. So that, that tour I started doing with Tyler Bryant and the shakedown, um, the first shows were not club shows. The first run of shows were opening for REO Speedwagon and Styx wow. in these outdoor amphitheaters. Um, and that this was why it was so scary to me um, because I was mixing, you know, these, I don't know, three to 8,000 cap venues. Um, and Ario's engineer really helped me out. Um, he let me use his desk. He was on a profile and he just, you know, saved this, a scene for me and let me mix. And he had already tuned the PA. I had no idea that that kind of thing happened earlier in the day. We're showing up at 3 PM and, you know, everything is just ready to go. Um, and their whole team, like their, their monitor guy mixed monitors for the band. So I was only worrying about front of house for that particular tour. Um, and I still had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but one thing he did for me was he had a CD recorder and recorded my board tape every show and gave it to me and I could listen back at the end of the show. Um, and that was huge. You know, I realized pretty quick that I, never turned on the toms i never unmuted the bass uh you know this was when they had their amps cranked up on stage like you could hear a lot of stage noise um in some of these outdoor amphitheaters and i was so new to what i was doing i was like just focused on trying to get the kick and the vocals and the guitars and like yeah i honestly would forget that the bass was there and I mean, I was probably only mixing 13 inputs in the beginning there. It was, it was a very simple, simple setup. Uh, but anyways, that was a huge, huge learning experience to listen back to my board tape and just you immediately realize, oh my gosh, I completely forgot about this or this sounds terrible. Um, and as we know, when, when you get to bigger venues, then you actually get to hear the whole mix and you don't, you're not worried about the, the noise off the stage as much. So, you know, one thing we definitely want to talk about is, I mean, when you talk about, you know, people like Corey Wong and Ben Rector and, and incredible musicians with incredible bands, incredible sounds, you know, when uh, we have a group text and when I was telling Kyle earlier, he's he's like, hey, who's coming on the show tonight? And I, I told him your name and, and who you work with. And he said, oh, so he just turns it up then. And I was like, <laughs> you know, yeah, what a great statement that is about, you know, these are artists that they just sound so good that, you know, it must be a lot of it must be like, how do I stay out of the way? Right. Yeah. And we know yeah. from talking with Wong, like he knew exactly what he wanted at any given moment. And he, he's an engineer as well. So it's, it was really cool that you get to actually work with that cat. Yeah, man. Corey's, I mean, he mixes most of his own stuff. Um, Turn him up. He is. Yeah. He's 
extremely talented. It's just, yeah, he's kind of crazy. Um, same, I mean, Ben Rector's the same way. He's just insanely talented. All the Wolfpack guys. I'm very, very lucky to tour with all the musicians I get to tour with. At this point, I'm, I'm really spoiled. And uh, yeah, I mean, if someone asks me to tour with them, that's not one of those three acts, then I'm sometimes hesitant to to say yes, because I'm pretty happy where I am. Um, and I know not everyone's as lucky to have, you know, that caliber of musicianship across the board. I, I would love to talk about, I mean, I, I love Ben Rector's stuff. I think he's a great writer. He's a great player. It's a lot going on in those arrangements. They're really, really tight. It's a full lush sound. I mean, how do you approach that and still keeping the vocal where it needs to be? And, and it's a very energetic show. I mean, it, it, there must be a lot of stuff that you got to keep an eye on. Well, he's got a really rich voice and it's easy to get that on top of the mix. Um, I mean, I use a, a beta 58 on his voice and there's not a ton of bleed. He's has perfect mic technique. Um, and he's got a very strong voice. So there's, you know, I have the luxury of being able to use some nice compression and, uh, without having to worry about, uh, you know, bringing up too much bleed from anything else. And that everyone I work with, it's a quiet stage. Um, with Ben, everything's DI pretty much. I mean, the guitars, they usually do Kempers or, or if they have an amp, it's backstage or side stage, you know, or, or on stage, but very low volume. Um, so it's just drum mics and vocal mics. Yeah, pretty much. So good. Um, so good. Yeah. And so that makes the, the mix pretty, pretty easy. Um, when I, like his tour, the last few tours I've done. Um, yeah. I mean, the arrangements are so tight. The band is so good. It's exactly the same every night. So I'm never chasing anything. I know exactly what's coming. Um, and you know, I've got my scenes programmed out, so I'm only writing a couple faders each song. Um, but it's sort of like, uh, his stuff because they do, he likes to do production rehearsals and band rehearsals before that. I'm, I get to go in and record everything for the tour and then sit, um, either at my studio or go into the shop and mix on headphones and actually dial in everything before before production rehearsals and then obviously before the tour uh so i get you know the chance to really dial it in like it's a studio mix and then it's just a matter of getting the tuning right and tweaking tweaking the inputs a little bit so they so they work on a big system what's what's ben's interaction with that is he kind of let you do your thing is he working with you is he checking up on the the mixes i mean how's that collaboration work um i mean he he lets me do my thing until I mean, production rehearsal, he might walk out a little bit and just see what's going on. Um, he usually just, if he makes any comment, it's just maybe give me a little more body to my voice, a little more low end. Um, he does, yeah, he has a very rich voice. And as you know, like the more low end you allow through. Uh, yeah, I mean, so he, like anybody, he's got occasional proximity effect. And so I do use dynamic EQ on the low end. And um, it's kind of a give and take. Like if I use too much, he might want more in the PA. If I don't use enough, then when he gets right up on the mic, it's, it's for, to me, it's overbearingly woofy, but I know he prefer, would prefer that to it sounding thin. So that's, you know, that's probably one of the only compromises I have to make um, from my personal subjective uh, 
opinion of how the mix could be, you know. So I'm curious, once, once you learned uh, how how to actually treat a PA, you know, for the, you know, for the room and stuff like that to get, you know, so that your, your, your board mix can be consistent. Um, you've been doing, you know, studio work for some time. Are there things that you, you learned that you can do in the studio that you can't do live or were there tricks that once you did them in the studio, once you realize how you can, you can translate that to live, like what, um, or are there any clear distinctions of like, yep, I can do this in the studio all day long, but I can't do this live. Yeah. I mean, I know you can do, I mean, you can do anything in the studio. That's a fact, but you can do half of those things live. Um, the, the thing that I really wish I could use live is, uh, soothe, you know, that plugin we use, it's like an automatic dynamic EQ. Um, that's one. Th- and I don't, the only plugins I'm aware of that you can actually use live are waves plugins. Am I wrong about that? Uh, Mick DSP has some stuff that's pretty cool. Like, what what do you run it on though? Do you have to run well, Logic? Be like on, on, on an Avid, like on Avid consoles, you can run like Mick DSP. I know at least okay. back when I was using profiles and stuff, when I was out with like Tears or Fears, I mean, I I use all the Mick DSP stuff. That's or the um, there was whatever like the uh, the Lexicon you know EQ. Uh, I'm sorry, the Lexicon like reverbs and stuff was all, all on the Avid console. So I'm just I'm ignorant then. Whenever I've used <laughs> Avid consoles, it's only they only have the waves loaded, so I've never tried to load other plugins. I guess and I'll preface this with, with my time with Avid was pre-Waves. Waves didn't exist. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's um, also yeah. Uh, a company called AudioStrom. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but they make software called Live Professor, which is very similar to like uh, Audio Rack or Mix Rack type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you can load up all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I, I think I think the, the line share of that. UAD, is I think, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The UAD stuff is if you want to buy their... How would you run the... So, I mean, I love UAD stuff. I use that in the studio all the time. Uh, but how would you use that live? Would you run a separate computer and then mix it on the... Com- like, mix the plugins on that computer and then, you know what I mean? Like, use analog outs and analog ins on the console? Yeah, they have they have a rack. And I or use I guess, a lot of UAD yeah, stuff Dante in the studio. Or Maddie. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I know they have Maddie. I know they have like Thunderbolt. I don't know. I know I haven't worked with this system, but yeah, they have, they have their hardware that runs their DSP. And then similar to the way you do waves, you open up their, you know, you open up the software front end on your computer and, uh, do what you need to do that way. Um, so that, that people do that as well. Uh, that would be, that would be a kind of fun one actually. I guess these are dumb questions because nowadays anything is possible. Um, no dumb questions, just dumb people. <laughs> well, it's it's a you know, and I and I think it's important for people listening because I think particularly people that are early on in their careers or work on smaller venues or you know one of those things where you get whatever desk they have and that's that's what you get right. Um, probably don't have a lot of experience with how to do stuff like this and how to how to set the stuff up and what the options are. So I mean, these are these are they're good things to talk about. Uh, I I know that the 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 UAD stuff, the people that use it really like it. Um, you know you. The the thing about the UAD stuff, and by the way, you can go to uaudio.com for anybody that's not sure what we're talking about. Universal Audio has uh, 
they're basically circuit level emulations of, of plugins. They're really, really cool. Um, and, and I use them in the studio and they sound really nice. They are unique and that they run on a, their own dedicated DSP chip that they have. So they're not taking up, if you run it on your computer, you're not taking up your computer CPU and RAM. So it's, it's a standalone, either a card you put in your computer or an external device. Um, so it's the same thing when you use it on a console and it's server. not that dissimilar to like, what, like a wave server, right? Server. Yeah, so, yeah. Yep. So, uh, it's called the live rack is their product. And yeah, they have these really cool vintage compressor emulations and stuff like that. So yeah, there's, there's a couple different avenues to do this stuff live. Latency is obviously something you got to start thinking about, you and, know. And speaking of compressors, Jake, you said something earlier that was really cool because that's how I did it was, uh, you basically said you didn't know what the compressor was going to do and, and you just kind of figured it out. Like when you had external stuff, when you started mixing live, I mean, and there wasn't videos for it. Well, yeah, that's, that was the, the twisting the knob thing, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and that's how I learned too, man. Like nobody told me how a gate worked or a compressor. I just like, I had to throw in cans and do the solo and be like, am I really doing that to this thing? Yeah, Holy cow. Yeah. But that's almost like the fun of it at that point, you know. Um, do you tour with any analog pieces, or are you all digital? No, I yeah, I, I'm generally all digital. I toured with a few bands early on, and one of them, Denver and the Mile High Orchestra, that was one of the first bands I toured with, and they he had this analog Allen and Heath console um, that uh, sponsored actually, by yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he didn't have any outboard gear. And so I was like, well, how are we going to do anything? Symphony. And uh, the other engineer who I took over for let me borrow his rack of outboard gear for the first tour. And then he took it back and I had to do another tour. And so I bought a bunch of analog outboard gear for that. Um, just the mostly the cheap stuff, some DBX uh, four channel gates and compressors and, uh, some at tc electronics you know effects yeah, that's what your standard clubs would have had yeah that's what i that's what i saw places and that's what i knew that's cool we should do this we should try to get someone who does a symphony orchestra on because i know that's like a standard thing is sometimes they just have a console and some mic inputs so that'd be that'd be fun to ask like me i'd want the rack of stuff but for some reason, like symphony orchestra and those kind of performances, sometimes they don't even use outboard in their house rigs. It's all about the source, though. Yeah, I mean, totally. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. I mean, yeah. wicked, wicked microphones, you know, just like great placement. I'll say this. Um, I meant to say this earlier. the uh, The reason I'm so confused about how to run all these other plugins on a live console is because I've never felt like I really needed to do it. Um, you may, I don't know if you guys, you guys probably would agree. I like to keep it as simple as possible. Um, and just use the onboard EQ and dynamics as much as I can. The, honestly, the only plugins I ever really feel like I need, um, are like multi-band compressors and specifically the, the wave C6. That's the only thing I, you can't get on a desk or you haven't been until recently. Um, and I know there are some multi-band compressors on different consoles now that sound pretty good but um it i mean I'm, from everything i've heard i still would prefer the c6 um and if That's, i can't I'm yeah glad you said that i've i've said for years now 
I, I pretty much use, you know, I'm all about, I want to reduce the number of failure points and things that can screw yeah. me up during oh, the show. Uh, so. Yeah, it scares the <laughs> heck out of me. Yeah, I want to have everything on one console. Yeah. And that's it. And then, so I'm like, I don't want to plug in this extra device. And, and so that was, that has been my reason for not doing something like, you know, a wave server. But I've always said, if I did it, it would be because I wanted a C6 or an F6. I really yeah. like the F6 because I'm getting more into the dynamic EQ than the multiband comp. But yeah, yeah. but uh, that that's the one plugin that I'm like, man, that one would. And then I finally, I just moved to an Avantis. And yeah. that has the, oh, the Dynamic. You move to it? I'm you just, move I'm in? Happy. Are you moving in? I moved in, dude. Alan and and yeah. speaking of that, Holly moved told me in. you tell you you got to check your email because you, he's been he's been hitting you up about about sending you stuff and you're not you're not uh, answering oh. him. So and you're call, you're gonna call him out shaming. on the show, yeah. huh? Jeez. <laughs> hey, we're on we're on D Live with Corey, um, and it's go. been it's been great. So I've been able to use that Dynate compressor. Yeah, and I, I don't need. To use the C6 with him or any Waves stuff. Ironically, we have a Waves card for the console. I got the the C1500, the little guy. Um, but we use the Waves card just for recording, so we can you know connect two computers to that um, and just use the networking to record to multi-track and then virtual playback. Um, but I don't use any plugins. It's just the onboard stuff, and it yeah, it's great. Do you um, get a for, sound check or do you just play back every day? Yeah, we get a sound check. Uh, Corey and the band like to like to play around, um, but I do. I use virtual sound check before they get up there, and so I have it dialed before they step on the stage, and then it's just you know listening. And I I try not to tweak anything when they're up there because it does. Yeah, that's where you get in trouble. Um, I'll say this too. The uh, oh man. I almost lost my train of thought. Well, I did, and I got to get back on it. It's okay. It happens all the time. Then you have to um, scramble. Oh, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> my go-to profile, my go-to uh, one-off console has always been like an SE48 or a profile because it's the only console that for the longest time that actually has the C6 built into it. You know, you don't have to worry about a separate server failing or connecting the network and when I, you know, if you show up at a show, as long as you remember to bring your Waves USB licenses, then you're, you're fine. Most people have it loaded, um, have the C6 loaded on the console. Um, but I, I would be cautious uh, about using any other desk with a Wave server because whenever you get there, you got to troubleshoot because usually they haven't put it together in the shop before they bring it out and then you're the one figuring out how to how to network them together. So let's talk about Kyle and my kid's favorite band, Kids Bop. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um so you, yeah. you did you did a, a tour or two tours or something like that with, with, with Kids Bop? Yeah, I did a I did the first Kids Bop tour ever. Um, oh wow. Cool. That's and history. Do you got a poster or a anything? <laughs> I actually no. I, I that's need, like if you were like you the big engineer on now I need, one. I do need something. something. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. huge, bro. Except they were on you know kids bop uh, one hundred and fifty by that point. Who cares? It was the first one. <laughs> so cool. But yeah, so the first tour. Uh, those kids were. I did about a year, um, and so I was the guinea pig. I got to put everything together, or they were the guinea pigs. Um, I uh, yeah, I got to try try everything out um and see what worked for that type of show it's mostly tracks and for the band the vocals are 
were, I think, 100% live, except for like a gang vocal part, you know, here or there, if if we even had that. But they sang everything live. The, these kids had amazing pitch. Their dance, I mean, this is, these kids were more talented than the other people I was touring with at the time. Give people an age range, age range. They, okay, so th- these kids were 11 and 12. Holy shit. Five of them, yeah. Um, and they, I mean, they, they're, I'm telling you, these kids would have been on Disney if Kids Bop had not found them first. Mm-hmm. Um, so they you, are they like, did you, they have mic technique established? Was that something that you guys had to work with them on? That's, well, you know. we, they were pretty good. I, yeah, I worked with them a little bit. And when you say you guys, it's like, <laughs> it was just me, um, out there. <laughs> I had the, we had a choreographer that got roped into doing everything else. So he became my stage manager and everything. Um, but he would work with the kids on the choreography, um, in between shows. And then we had them on in between the, shows. That means multiple shows a day. Uh, no, on weekends. Okay. Like we would do two shows a week. So Friday or Saturday. And then that night or the morning, the next morning, he would mm. tighten up the choreography. Um, but he, uh, yeah, I had them on headset mics. And so I didn't have to worry about mic technique that much. Just that make, make sure that that mic stayed in the right place. And I think the model, it was the, the classic, the CM. Crown. Yeah, the Crown. What's the model number? CM311? I, I call it the Bieber phone. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Garth that's, that's what it is. Just look that up. The Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Yeah, Garth yeah, that's Brooks. It. There yeah, you the, go. Or the Britney Spears. Yeah. Um, it was that, Those mics are heavy, though. I couldn't, I looked around, I called a lot of people. I talked to uh, um, a couple of the engineers that did pop stars um, like Justin Bieber. And uh, I didn't talk to his engineer, but people like that. The Biebs. Um, and I was like, what What mics do you use for, for people? And that, the Crown, the C, I think CM311. CM three eleven, yeah. yeah. That was the only mic that came up. It's like that's the mic. It's it's a staple. I mean, like and so I did a bunch incredible. of incredible. Yeah, I did a bunch of like um young hip hop stuff like Bow Wow and like um uh Maria Bow Wow, and... you never told us? Dude, you've been told now. <laughs> History cred just crazy. went up like I, yeah, I did I, I did like four tours with Bow Wow. It was um it was and actually so like like let's put it this way, Chris Brown was the opening Whoa. act. Uh it was his first album run it. Uh, and like Bow Wow was the headline. We had Amarion, Marcus Houston, Pretty Ricky, um, Bobby Valentino. Anyway, um, so the, the Crown headsets, like there's just nothing like it in terms of because it's like a large diaphragm. Well, yeah. not large, but it, for headset Larger. sake, it's a large diaphragm. And and so anything else has got that, you know, slim on it. And I think the Crown's, they, I think the pop filter is amazing too. Like it doesn't, you don't get plosives with it. Right. Like not. Yeah. Not even it's better with plosives than some normal handheld cardioid mics. And who, if you're dancing at Corey's Um, I mean, I I started I'd probably be on stage micing them up. Um and then we had them on all in ears. Uh, the hardest part was probably fitting them on their heads. Like Yeah, well that's the thing. They're they have to dance and they're like doing flips. So it had to stay on their heads in the in one spot. You got tighten, you got to tighten that little uh, little screw by the by the ear. Yeah, I mean that was I had to tighten those so hard. And then they, they would break all the time. So I had I had ten of them on with me at all times. So I had a backup for every kid, um, and I was sending them to get repaired every you know all the time. And it wasn't because the mics are bad. It's just like I'm having to really. I, I had to man you know using 
tools like cutters, I had to shorten the earlobes so they were mm-hmm. actually they would fit because we're talking about eleven, twelve year old right. kid. Their head's a lot smaller than an adult that would wear that. So the I had to cut maybe a two or three in maybe two inches off of the the ear loop and right, then remold the, the, it so it fit around the ear. You yeah, because the the loop back doesn't adjust; only the the depth of the mic adjusts. Right, right. Because um, some people would like some people, some of the guys I work with would have like or girls have smaller heads, so you have to like squeeze yeah, the wire frame with you your bend hands. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not a metal worker, and I'm sure there would have been a better way to do it. But I mean, I you know just using uh, needle nose pliers, and I would take the rubber protector off the end and try to mold it. Once I had a template, I would try to match all the others and. That was the worst part about trying to get replacement headsets because I had to destroy every one that I got. Man, um, I've been watching that Forged in Fire show like crazy, and I'm just picturing all these people, <laughs> like these blacksmiths with anvils making the... <laughs> like, so ridiculous forging well, these... That's when I would break fire. <laughs> Forged by fire. Sometimes they would just snap off, though, and I would lose a whole mic because I snapped the freaking metal earlobe piece you know um but yeah they they do sound amazing i think at one point in the show they were using handhelds uh, but they were good they were good with mic technique there um, can't believe you did the first one that is so rad that is the <laughs> i want to do the first one of the, i like need that. to reconnect with those kids I, I follow them on social media um has any of them who, popped off i mean i was gonna say yeah has any i mean they it, all yeah man they're all doing their own thing none of them are Justin Bieber level yet. Anyone but I Lin- Lindsay it, Lohan level? I don't know. I don't, really I don't know what she's at right now. But Although, I, I would, Kyle, I feel like we should talk more about your classification system at some point in the future. Because that <laughs> would be helpful. The listeners they're, know. They're all bro. doing well. I think they're all still, they're pursuing music and Good. or dancing as their full-time career. And... None you of them. Make a good, you quit. can make a good living being a you know a, a backup dancer for any of the pop or R and B and hip hop acts. I mean, it's it's a people can spend a decade doing that. So yeah, I, I've seen Peppa Pig, Frozen on Ice. Uh, what was the other one that Wiggles? But those are like killer productions. Uh, no joke. There's they're awesome, and I have friends that have worked for them, and they they all had a blast at some point. There was something that was difficult, but they were like fun to fun to do and fun to like perform. Yeah, I mean, man, yeah, the 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 people coming to those shows loved it. Um, it was a great performance, great set list. It, yeah, the merch. Uh, shout the out merch, to our, our friend, our friend Kevin McCoy. Uh, he did Paw Patrol. And yeah, about that the other day, so. nice. I was trying to get free tickets for that like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we we were joking before we started recording. Um, so there was a uh, for people who had kids at this time. Uh, Yo Gabba Gabba. It's a show that was on, I guess, Nickelodeon or whatever. Um, you may or may not know what it is. Uh, there are these characters that uh, uh, quite frankly look like adult sex toys, honestly. Um, but anyway, um. <laughs> Uh, it was a kid's show. Anyway, uh, there was this thing at the at the White House uh, called the Easter Egg Roll, and like the president like comes out and like he does all the stuff with the kids, and and there's a there's a stage, and actually the one year was there actually Bieber. I mean, he he keeps coming man, up a lot lately. That dude. Um, <laughs> but uh, Bieber was the there. Show, man. Yeah, uh, Bieber was there. Uh, we had, Yo Gabba Gabba was performing, right? So. Um, the, it's the one time of the year that the president actually gets a lav put on him because typically he doesn't. 
and uh and he does like this like story time thing and it happened to be the station that i was doing at the time on, on the on the white house lawn and so i got to go into the white house um and i was holding the microphones and i had to mic up um uh, president obama um uh, michelle obama uh and the kids uh and so i mean and it's the east it's easter time right so there's the easter bunny in there mind you in the easter bunny suit is a secret service agent Right. So like and they're all like sweating. So like Easter Bunny has his like his 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 uh, his outfit ha- outfit half off. Right. It's it's a Secret Service guy in there. And then Yo Gabba Gabba is in there and they're sweating. So they have like their suits like half off. Uh, and then like all of a sudden they're like the kids are coming. The kids are coming because he had Sasha and Malia. were still kind of like believing in the Easter Bunny and stuff. So they had to like hurry up and like put the suits back. Don't on. blow it for but, our like, listeners I- too, bro. Dang. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a roller coaster, man. I'm not sure how to feel. Did you about just all blow it for Michael? <laughs> but like, I, I try to take a picture of like the Yoga Bagaba crew, like half like their like the suits off. Like, because my daughter at the time like was big into Yoga Bagaba, um, and they're like, stop! You get to get pictures with, with, with her outfits off, blah blah blah, this that and the other. But anyway, the coolest thing of that was, and I got to physically mic up Obama. Which, by the way, if you have two Secret Service agents there and you're stringing a lob through the President of the United States. <laughs> That's an interesting feeling and time to be, and they're like briefing him on what he's gonna, what the books he's gonna be reading when he goes out there and everything. It was, it was interesting. Did he smoke? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't it was, know. But um, the, I, I, the coolest thing out of that though, I, I wasn't you again. Know, the fact that the Easter Bunny was a Secret Service agent. Can you just imagine like shit goes down like <laughs> on the lawn? All of a sudden, he rips out of the bunny outfit, pulls a gun. Like, anyway, so sorry. I, well, tonight's episode is really varied in topic and intensity. I love this. Uh, I'm tired. I'm really tired after all these stories. Uh, all right, so. Jake, I guess, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are students or people who are coming into the audio profession, trying to find their way, all that stuff. I mean, I, I, I'd like to talk a bit with our guests about kind of what advice you would offer up to people who are getting into audio or look at what you're doing and say, wow, that's really cool. I want to do that. I mean, how, what, how do you, you know, what kind of, what kind of guidance would you offer? Uh, for a while, the the main thing I would say is just find some friends that, you know, play music and are going to do a small tour and ask if you can come on the road with them in whatever capacity that that would be. Um, and most likely you'll end up mixing sound and setting up merch and tour managing and production managing, which you won't know about until you show up and realize no one came up with a schedule. Um, and then you realize that you can actually do that. And that's, that's, that can be your, your job. Cause you were actually tour manager and production manager on that kids bop tour as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the thing I I'm, I always like to bite off more than I could chew. Uh, I still production manage or tour manage every tour I do in addition to mixing front of house. Um, that, that's yeah. a big Nashville thing though. I feel like, or at least, um, there's a lot of Nashville centric people who do the t- TM PM in front of house. And I think part of it is because a lot of the tours leave from there. So it's the easy place to be yeah. kind of co-centric, you know, I, I haven't done any massive tours. Like I've never toured with a system tech, um, by massive tour. I mean, like I'm not, I haven't done a headlining arena tour or above that level. So well, crew, call me next time you're ready to go out, man. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I would. I would like to. Um, I I do think some of the artists I, I work with will move up uh, eventually. But the um, yeah, our crew is usually pretty tight. So 
the more you can do as one person, the more valuable you are. On the these are these have always been uh, one bus tours, not two buses. So the crew is not split up from the band or the artist. So um, that kind of limits the selection of crew members you can bring out when you only have five bunks to fill. Um, so you, yeah. you, you guys, you guys got to do um, Madison Square Garden with Wolfpack, and that's, I mean, for some people who may not realize, I mean, for Wolfpack, and they sold out, I believe, of Madison Wolfpack. Square Garden. Uh, Wolfpack, sorry, Get it right. Uh, whatever. I, I can't spell. I can't speak. We all know this by now. Um, that was a that was a pretty big deal for them to uh, uh, for that yeah. Madison Square Garden show for for a the style of band that they are. So, um, what was that like for you to be in the garden of such an iconic venue? That, I mean, yeah, it's just a bucket list thing for me. Um, that was incredible. And also just, I was in way over my head um, because we had, me and the monitor guy, Austin, um, were used to doing these shows by ourselves. Um, it was just me and him. I would tour manage, he would production manage. And uh I mean, we, we kind of split those roles, however made sense for the, the day or, or whatever, but we've, we always do one-offs with Wolfpack. It's never like a full tour. And if it is a tour, we don't carry any band gear. We don't carry any audio gear. We just backline everything, every show. Um, and that's kind of like a, something that Jack really wanted to try to minimize the, uh, I don't know, to, to make it the easiest possible traveling scenario for the band so you're not having to lug you know equipment anywhere check a bunch of pelicans and um yeah i mean it's kind of crazy what you can actually accomplish when you just go into something with that mindset it's like how small of a footprint can we actually have when we're traveling who doesn't um, like taking 27 pelicans to the airport at three in the morning <laughs> i mean yeah i mean it's it's nice for me and austin because we don't have the burden of carrying anything other than our flash drives um but uh, they wanted to do Madison Square Garden the same way because they didn't want to change anything. And I, from the get-go, I was like, we, we got to hire some more people for this show. Like, but then the, it's sort of the, this give and take. Like, well, if I hire more people, I have to somehow train them uh, on how we do everything before the show. And we don't have any other shows before then. You know what I mean? So... So what, what would you, what would you do in that scenario? I mean, I ended up, we did bring a lighting guy. Um, and that doesn't mean he actually got to do anything before the show. There's no production rehearsal. Um, but we at least got someone we, we knew we could trust. Um, cause we had had a few shows before where the local lighting guy was just terrible. Um, and so we're like, we know this guy, at least the lights will be on when they're supposed to be on. You know, bear, let's get the minimum right. Um, but yeah, I was, I was running around like crazy that day because we had like 150 or 250 guests, like not on stage, but uh, comp tickets I had to manage as the tour manager. And it's a big place and I wasn't used to, you know, being in an arena that size and having to run around. And uh, when you got to run to the, the side entrance and then run back to the dressing room area that can take 20 minutes and you can't do that during the day. You got to delegate stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, that was the most stress stressful thing for me that whole day is just, I should not have been 
tour managing or trying to do that while mixing front of house. Um, but when I got to actually sound check and mix, then that was when I got to have fun. Yeah. That's awesome. <clears throat> so um, now comes the most important part of the show. Uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, it's a two-parter. It is two-parter. Actually, Kyle, you do the first most important question. I'll do the second most important question. Okay, because you, you relocated. I know from your story at the beginning, you relocated to Nashville. Where are you originally from? I'm from North Carolina, from Raleigh. Okay. So if if COVID wasn't a thing right now and you can go eat anywhere, where would you go eat right now? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I do like the food in Nashville in a lot of places. I'll just shout out a Nashville uh, Do your spot wherever you want the discount. Frothy Monkey. <laughs> Frothy. Oh, so is that? It's a uh, it's a coffee shop, but they've got breakfast food, lunch food, dinner food. It's there's breakfast. I'm in. Yeah, it's got to be a breakfast all day breakfast. Yeah, oh, it, it is. I think it is. Okay, yeah. I'm down. It's. I mean, that's the thing. It's like that's my favorite kind of restaurant. When I'm touring, that's what I look for. I look for. I just search coffee, and then I find the coffee shop that has the best food. Um, but yeah, Frothy's got better food than a lot of restaurants here in Nashville. Michael, Michael's more of like a Denny's Taco Bell. He's more of like I hop. Well, <laughs> I, you know what? That's you're painting with a, little, with a broad brush there, Chris. Let's. I, I I like to go when you know after the show at one a.m. when you finally get all the shell and trucks. I want like pancakes and eggs and cheese and shit. That's diner, kind of diner food. You're yeah, diner food. Exactly, diner Thank food. I get, I get it. You're from the Northeast, bro. Diner yeah, food's delicious. And and. Around here, that's what's open at one AM that will give you pancakes and eggs and cheese and shit. So that's you know, you gotta you gotta follow the, the cheesy eggs, man. Look, I'm just I'm just shifting I, the harshness moved, off, moved of, off of Miami. Kyle onto onto you. Well, so. you know what? And you know what? My my buddy Nate, who does a lot of A two work for me, he was helping me out the other day and he had never been to IHOP. So I, I took him there. Get, a, uh, get some the same crepes. Thing. You know, it's you're, you're not helping did, the scenario here. I'm just saying. Um, I'm going to show this to all chain. every name I'm, I'm that a complex we dropped, creature, and I'm going to get discounts for everybody on the show. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fire it up, Chris Leonard. I know you've been waiting the whole show to do this, though. Do it. Keep going. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the 21 question. Um, so, uh, Jake, you're still relatively early, early in your career. Maybe haven't thought of this. Um, Maybe something you're still aspiring to do. If you could define your career, what you're known for, I'm sorry. If you could define your legacy or what it is that you're known for, what would that be? Um, well, is it what yeah. he's known for or what he wants to be known for? Uh, I would say once. Questions. No, well, I say if you could define, if you could define what you're known for, define your legacy. That's the same. It's the same thing. Um. Yeah, that is a that is a tough one. I do care a lot about what other people think, and that's something that is you know, something I want to get better at. Um, but I, I love, hold on, hold on, we'll sit there for a second. I like going on the couch, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so do you, do, do, do you think that inhibits, um, some of your decisions, right? So oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, there's, you know, like we're in the age of like, everyone's making videos and stuff and I find it's taken me a year, a year to be comfortable in front of a camera um, and ironically, no one, no one listening to this knows this, but my camera uh, is the only one that's not on right now. Not because I don't want it on. I spent a long time making sure it looked good and then it didn't work. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyways, I have a nice camera and I've been trying to get 
the courage to to put together some videos and and teach uh, some people. I, people ask me for different things, different advice, different mixing things, and I, I love teaching, and I always uh, want to be able to make that information accessible to more people. And the best way I can think to do it is make you know like video series rather than keeping re- keeping responding to everybody one on one with the same question uh, over email or whatever. So that's, yeah, I, I care about what other people think. So I'm always worried that what I'm going to say isn't going to be good enough. It's not going to, I'm going to look back in 10 years and not be happy with something I said, because, you know, you're, you learn more things. Um, you realize what you didn't know back then. And I'm more aware than ever that I just know that I, there's so many things I do not know. Um, and the more you learn, the more you realize that. And uh, so I'm hesitant to teach what I do know because I'm like, oh. I, I, I want to reframe that though because I look back on articles I wrote a year ago and I'm like, oh, I've definitely you know learned more about this topic since then or, or changed my approach. And I think that's good because if I looked back 10 years and I found nothing to change or do differently, that mean I had learned nothing in 10 years and I, I, that's not a place I want to be. Yeah. Um, so so I, I th- I'm okay with that. But I would also posit for your consideration, Mr. Jake, is that um, an incompetent person will never say what you just said, which is, I realize how much I have left to learn. Uh, generally, people who have no idea what they're doing have no idea that they have no idea what they're doing. So that's that's a healthy, <laughs> it's a healthy place to be, you know, and I, and I even think it's, it's the prerequisite for learning more and for developing. And, you, you know, we can't improve unless we're honest with ourselves about where we are. So I, I think that's, that's a very good place to be. Chris yeah, is nodding, yeah. which means Chris agrees with me. <laughs> well, I, and I would say something I've learned is um, it's being comfortable with being or, or being comfortable with being wrong or um, uh, not for sake of being intentionally being wrong, but like, look, there's it's shit not the end of the world. Have, yeah. Right. But look, there's stuff we've said over the last year or more that we're either wrong about or didn't know about, but what we spoke with it with the intentionality of what we knew at the time. Right. And how many and Friday so, 13th there were? <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, bro. No, but like, no, like, I, it's, you know, it, it's one of those things. Like, uh, I, look, I understand how hard self confidence is. And I mean, like, like, all three of us have grown in the last year in terms of our confidence of, uh, what the heck it is that we say, uh, what it is that we put out there. Um, and it's definitely, a, it takes time to just not give a, don't give a fuck about what people think. Hey, I get, I get to add the explicit tag now to this episode. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big proponent of just put yourself out there, put in just who, who cares? Like, and it's not just you, this is just in general, but like who, who, like we talked, um, to, to Wes, like the same thing, like Wes, which is like Michael's like, it's like, you know, so what? Like who, you know, there is you, so much dumb, crap on youtube and like it's you are not going to be the dumbest thing on youtube yeah. i promise you know what i mean it's like kind of one of those things like <laughs> like just get out there and do it man so that's cool that you're well i'm definitely sharing. i'm overdoing it uh so hopefully it's it's helpful whenever i put this stuff out well, send, send it our and, way and, and, and often often until until you even just tr- like like some people also will, will stop themselves from even trying to do shit um because they're afraid of that barrier i think if nothing else at least 
trying to do it and you know, fail fast, right? And as soon as you fail, you can learn quicker and, and, and move on from it. There's a lot of things that we did, you know, early on that we, you know, we, we've changed how we do different things or, or how we want to communicate. And um, it's it, until you try it and do those workflows out, uh, then, you know, and like you said, you know, um, you, you don't realize how much you don't know until you try to teach someone. Um, so yeah. if, nothing, if nothing else, like you're learning through that process. And so if no one else gains anything but yourself, you're still a win. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's the like the graduation level. Uh, I mean, we've had Hannah on the show a couple of times. I mentored her for a long time with the, the measurement stuff, and, and she sort of graduated in that sense. But towards the end of it, I was like, teach me. And I'd give her a topic, teach me a lesson on this topic. And you've, you know, that's hard. That's really hard. And you quickly find out where the gaps are that you thought you understood. And I mean, another thing for me is, can I explain it to my mom what I worked on today? You know, someone who does not have any context at all for the the technical parts of my job. If I can get my mother to understand it, do you know what I mean? Uh, that, yeah, yeah. That that's kind of the how how I think about how can I explain this to people. So so when you get your stuff figured out, send us a link, Jake. We'll uh, yeah, check it for out. sure. How about a different way to put this? Um, You're not giving up, are you, man? No. <laughs> Look, I, oh, I can still answer Jake, that. Just the original tell question. No. Just tell him no, <laughs> no, oh, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What where is where is somewhere you're trying to go? What 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 does success look for, look like for you in the future? That's a cool question. Well, I, like I yeah, I I feel I do not feel the need and this is I don't mean this in like I'm giving up kind of way. I don't feel the need to keep climbing the ladder in the live sound world. I feel like I've had my fair share of touring. If I for some reason could never tour again, I'd be okay because I've you know, I've been able to see the country. I've been able to tour Europe. I would love to tour more countries yes. outside of Europe. Yes. Um, but I, I do feel like, hey, I, I've got, I've had this great experience. I've mixed some really cool venues, amazing artists, and I'd be okay if I, if I was done and I only did studio stuff, or if I, you know, had to move into some other kind of role because I lost my hearing or something. Um, so for me, I, I'm really putting a lot of my eggs into the studio world. I would love to be one of the top studio mixers in the world. You know, that that's, that's my goal right now. Um, and I don't think that takes away anything in the live world because the artists I work with don't tour all the time. And when they do tour and they want to bring me, I'm happy to go, you know, and that's, it's nice to break up the, the monotony of sitting, sitting in a studio all day. Um, and kind of do both. So that that's where I'm at. I, I guess to answer the original legacy question, I think I would like people to think of me as a as a good teacher. Like they learned something from me or were inspired by me to do better at their craft. And I think I think that's a good answer for that question. I I, yeah. I think you have a, a great website. People can check out some of your credits too. You know, um it's jakehartsfield.com, right? We can put that yep. cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, man. Uh you got a lot of stuff up there. You've been you've been really putting your your head down and doing some work. So we're glad to have you on for sure. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. 